sometimes I feel like a fool. If that thought has ever passed through your mind in the wake of your spouse's sexual betrayal, you're not alone. Jesus challenged his followers to be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. But how do we strike that balance in a marriage broken by sexual sin? Hi, I'm Kim Pullen, founder of Hope for Spouses, and welcome to this week's episode of Lunchtime Live. For those of you who are new to our, our ministry, I started Hope for Spouses after my separation from my husband due to adultery. And during that four years, which is extremely difficult, I focused on my own healing. And I used the scriptures and gathered around me a safe circle of others in order to be able to do that. And while I did that, I just chose to get out of God's way and let God work on my husband and I worked on myself. Now we've been back together for about four and a half years and we have an incredible marriage and it's emotionally intimate, uh, we're connected, the trust has been rebuilt, and both of us really uh, give the credit to God being at the center of our relationship. So, if you have ever felt like, I'm such an idiot, I can't believe I fell for this, you're not alone. I felt that same way too, when my husband, it was revealed that he had had 12 affairs, and he was currently having one. And I felt like, man, did I just stick my head in the ground? Like, what happened? And I came to see that in some ways I was really naive. And some of it was I chose to be that way. But I wanted to go over six signs of how you can know, you can evaluate for yourself if you are naive in a broken marriage that I mean is broken by sexual sin. In other words, uh, pornography addiction or by adultery, especially if it's multiple affairs. And so one of the things that we can really ask ourselves that we can look at is do we believe that marriage is the key to our happiness? That for us to really be happy, maybe that's something we were taught growing up as kids, for us to really be happy that our marriage has to be fantastic, that that's gonna be the key to our happiness. Do we believe that? because it's a sign of being naive. The next one is that you don't really believe or understand that every single man, including your spouse, struggles with purity. And they probably always will. Sometimes we can think, well, not my husband. And, and if you're a man watching this and you have a wife who is addicted to porn or is having has had multiple affairs, you can think, well, women don't struggle with that. But it's true we do we live in a very impure world and it's only going to get worse but if we go through life thinking well my husband wouldn't do that or my wife wouldn't do that we are living in a place of naivete and it can be very dangerous the next thing is uh, you may be thinking that uh, a person who has been addicted to porn or infidelity for years can just stop you know once it's been revealed or or once they say i won't do it anymore that they're going to stop doing it. And that's not reality. That's not really the way it is. Another one is you don't believe your spouse can look you right in the eye and lie to your face again and again. I mean, how could this person that said, I do, that you are so in love with, that you completely trust, how can they keep lying to you? 
And if we believe that, we are naive. And then you think your broken marriage is the real problem. And it's not. We can think that. I did. But I found out that it was not true. And finally, you think you are the only one who is going through this, that nobody else out there understands, that you're unique in your situation. And that's not true. And that's why you have even found hope for spouses, because you're trying to see, am I crazy? Is this, am I the only one who is going through it? And no, you're not. Unfortunately, it is extremely common in our society, globally, not even just in the West, throughout the world this is going on so why is being naive in a broken marriage so incredibly dangerous and destructive well first of all it leaves us open to attack and it basically it keeps us isolated so in first peter 5 8 it says be alert and of sober mind your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour so that's what Satan is. It's like he roams around the back of the herd like a lion looking for the isolated one, the injured one. And we're both. We're injured and we're isolated. And so he pounces. And if you are in a situation where you are isolated and you're being naive to what's really going on, you are prime, you're prime food for Satan. And he's having a field day on you. So that's one of the reasons it can be so dangerous for us to be naive as far as what is really going on here. Number two, it draws us away from the biblical standard of what purity is in marriage, what, what God designed it to be. Ephesians 5, and if you, you need, I encourage you to read through the whole chapter. Don't just read the section that talks about the roles of the husbands and the wife. Read through the whole chapter. And you really can see what God's standard for marriage is. And when we are naive, we don't see the big picture. We are just seeing our little world. we got our little blinders on and we see our little world the way that we think the whole world is. And we become naive to what is really going on. And you can also look at Hebrews 13, 4, where it talks about that marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. So God's standard is very clear in the scriptures. But when we become naive and we start giving into sentimentality, uh, we are drawn away from God's standard and we start following things that are not meant to be our standard in our marriage. Now, number three, it keeps us stuck in what I call the insanity loop. Now, 2 Timothy 3, 6 through 7 says, and this is talking about when he says they, he's talking about worldly people and even worldly people who may be in the church, uh, maybe your spouse, if they're a believer, they said they are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Since I started this ministry, one of the things I've noticed is that uh, in the different calls I've had and, and people that I've talked to, is that it's really easy for us to get sucked into believing some things that our spouse is saying. And they say one thing, but then their life is different. And so we, we want to believe. We want to believe that they're going to tell us the truth. But their life doesn't back up their words. And so we get dragged into uh, 
these this insanity loop where the same things happen over and over again and nothing really changes. And it doesn't mean that our desire for our marriage is evil, but it can become evil when preserving our marriage becomes more important than being obedient to God's standard of righteousness. I mean, I was idolizing my marriage above God's standard when my husband and I separated, I realized that, that I was so concerned about keeping my marriage together that I had compromised all over the place in my marriage. I'd seen things, but I didn't really want to accept them. I didn't want to believe it. And I wanted to avoid the conflict of confronting my husband who called himself a Christian, and yet he wasn't living a life that the Bible called him to live. And so what I found is I was idolizing the gift, my marriage, my husband, rather than worshiping the giver, God, the Father. And so I had to get my heart in line with what God was calling me to do. The next thing is the reason it's so dangerous is because it keeps us believing lies. Now, Ephesians 5, 6 says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. And see, if we are really not connected to God's word, if we don't know what the truth is, then we're not going to be able to discern truth from lies when we hear it. We're not going to recognize. We're going to, it sounds really good what they're saying, and we really want to believe it, but we're not going to be able to discern truth from lies. We're not going to be able to discern when they're really repentant because we don't recognize what a lie looks like. We become naive. We can also be led by our feelings rather than the truth. It talks about that in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And it's so easy for us to be led by our feelings to doing things or compromising, uh, not acting because of sentimentality, because we want to believe something, even when all the truth is right there in front of us. Now, what's the alternative then? What is the alternative to being naive? Now, we think of innocence, and innocence is, is, in our world today, it's got a bad rap, okay? It means being naive, but in the Bible, it doesn't, because being innocent means you're free from sin. You're free from wrongdoing, and, and Jesus calls us to that. In Matthew 10, 16, Jesus was sending out his 12 to preach the gospel, to, to draw people back to him, and he sent them out, and he says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Now, what did he mean by that? He meant we were to go, you know, for his disciples, they were to go into the world and and be wise, you know, be discerning. Don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to have to use your worldly means to get yourself out of it. We want to we want to maintain our innocence. We want to be righteous before God because that's what we're called to be. We're called to be righteous like God is righteous. But we also have to maintain our innocence and being uh, righteous through and through all the way down to the deep parts of our heart. So we can be innocent without being naive. All right. Now, Jesus used a really good example when he was talking about the parable of the shrewd manager. And Jesus doesn't condone the behavior of the manager, but what he does is he acknowledges his shrewdness. And he says in Luke 16, 8, he says, The people of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind 
than people of the light. In other words, it's really easy for us to slip into being naive because we really don't understand what's going on around us. And so we have to strike that balance. We have to be able to be um, living in the light, being innocent, but being wise to the things around us. So how do we do that? How do we become spiritually wise in the wake of betrayal, in the wake of a marriage where we really don't know uh, how to respond to what, what is going on? How do we respond to our spouse who says one thing and yet is living very differently? So first of all, we have to recognize that we are in a spiritual battle. Okay, now this is very different from the way that we can be coasting through life, living in a fantasy world that life is supposed to be wonderful all the time because I'm married and everything's supposed to be beautiful and twinkle stars. And and that is not what the Bible teaches. Yes, we can we can enjoy our life here, but we have to recognize that we are in a spiritual battle every single minute of the day. There are things going around us that we can't see. This The spiritual forces of evil going on in the world. And Paul says in Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, he admonishes the church in Ephesus and the disciples there. And he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that you, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. So what is he meaning by this? So we have to recognize that, that this battle that we're waging here, first of all, it's not against our spouse. There's not a war between us and our spouse. There's a battle going on that's much, much, much bigger than us. And that's the battle between good and evil. The spiritual battle that's going on. Satan is warring with God. And we are in the middle of it. And Satan is trying to use us to as pawns against God. And God says you have to lift your eyes and see what is really going on. Your spouse is not the the villain in this story. In fact, he is a victim to the sin that's in his life, to Satan, you know, if he's got core wounds from his childhood, if there's any kind of thing going on that has caused him to get into the sin that he's in, Satan has got him and he's got him trapped. And then the interest that Satan reaps is that sin comes into our lives and if we have core wounds and all that stuff gets thrown together, it's a mess. But it's Satan working in this world to try to pull us away from God, to, to, keep us from going to heaven ultimately and so what does Paul say we have to put on the armor we have to be aware he talks about if you go further in that passage he says put putting on the helmet of salvation you know coming coming up against the the forces of evil with the sword of truth and the shield of faith and that is how we battle this but we have to be wise to it. we have to be aware of it we can't be walking through a battlefield you know with our head in the clouds like everything is great when it's not and i don't want you to live that way and if if you're if you've been living with this mindset like everything's supposed to be great now and it's not you're confused and you're frustrated and maybe even getting a little bit bitter and so i want to encourage you that you have to wake up and see the real battle that's going on one of the ways that we do that is we dig into scripture 
And, and I'm not talking about just devotional books where you have one little passage and then you read what somebody says about it. Those are great. Like read those before you go to bed at night. But don't let that be your primary sustenance from God's word. Let that be your snack. You know, if you're referring to food. But when you dig into God's word, let it be a meal. It's a full course meal that you're reading through full books of the Bible. You're going into commentaries. There's great online commentaries. Bible Hub, EnduringWord.com, Bible Gateway. There's tons of great places that you can go online where you can read the commentaries. Go back to the original Greek. See what they were talking about. Compare passages. Read the Bible as in full context. Don't just pull things out of Scripture. But we've got to dig into the Bible and see what God is calling us to. Because in the Scripture, it says in 2 Peter uh, 1.3, it says that His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So see, in the Scriptures, we have everything we need to fight this battle. And he says uh, in Philippians 1, 9 through 10, that through this, we learn how to discern what is best by being a student of God's word. I mean, the Bible itself was designed for us to be, to read it through our entire lifetime, to be growing in wisdom all the time. And so one of the greatest ways that we can learn to not be naive, but to be spiritually wise is to dig into the scriptures ourselves. Don't leave it up to your minister to teach you. Don't leave it up to anybody else. Because eventually you're going to have to stand before God about what you believe and what your convictions are. So I want you to encourage you to dig into God's word on your own. All right. The next thing is we have to self-evaluate our idols and where we are getting our value, our affirmation, and our worth from. So are we getting it from God? Are we getting it from other people like our spouse? Or are we getting it from an ideal like marriage? Because in the Old Testament, the Israelites were constantly turning to other gods. They were going to the gods of the neighboring peoples around them to give them their identity and their worth. And, and these gods were powerless. They weren't real gods. And so we have to ask ourselves, what god are we pursuing? Has our spouse become the center of our life? Has our marriage become the center of our life? Because if that's the case, then we have lost touch. We are we we have an idol in our life. And we're not gonna have we're not gonna have salvation if we continue to pursue other people as being the idols in our life, other people as being what our standard is. And Revelations 21 8 says all the idolaters, they don't go to heaven. I don't want to be an idolater. I had to repent. I had to change the way I was thinking about what God was talking about here. And I had to realize that I had idolized my marriage. I had idolized my spouse. And I had to change the way I was thinking. It was very hard. These were deep roots that were deep down inside of me. And and basic ways that I thought, default ways that I was thinking that I had to change. And it was very, very challenging. But it's possible to do it. Another way is we have to learn to accept responsibility for our own healing and our obedience to God. So we can't just wait for our spouse to change because you don't know if they will. I hope they do, but we don't know if they will. God's not going to force them to change. God doesn't force anything on anybody. In Deuteronomy 30, uh, verses 15 to 20, he says, I'm going to lay before you life and death. You know, you're going to obey me or you're not going to obey me. There's going to be consequences, 
for either one of them. Good consequences if you follow me, bad consequences if you don't. But God never forced us to do anything. And so you don't know what your spouse is going to do. The only person you have any power and control over is yourself. And like I said earlier, you're going to be standing before God on a day of judgment alone. There's nobody going to be standing next to you. Not your spouse, not your parents, not your minister, nobody. You're going to stand before God and you're going to have to be accountable for the way that you lived your life. And if you're not using God's word as a standard, you are going to fall short. And, and the scriptures say that we, if we know the good we ought to do and we don't do it, we sin. That's in James 4.17. And so here I'm telling you, so you're knowing it now. You've got to take responsibility. You can't leave this up to other people. God, if you're watching this, you probably have access to the internet. You know how to read. You can get access to the Bible. You are responsible for your own soul, for your own convictions, for your own salvation, and for what is going on in your marriage. You've got to own it. You've got to learn how to set healthy boundaries if, you're, if you haven't done that yet. So that's part of getting out of this naivete mindset is if I know that there's things that I need to do, then I need to do them and not sit back and wait for something to change when it's not going to. All right. The last thing is we need to find a safe community for connection and companionship. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27, he talks about how the body is a unit and we are a part of that body. If you call yourself a Christian, then God has called you to be a part of his body and that we all serve a purpose in that body, that we need each other, that we are not designed to heal or thrive in isolation. We are called to be a part of a healthy community. And if you don't have one, you need to get one. You need to find one. I'll talk a little bit um, more about how you can find a healthy community here at Hope for Spouses in just a bit. But that is imperative because otherwise we we don't we don't see things. You know, we, we need people around us. We need fellow soldiers at our side, you know, being able to catch our blind side when we can't see it. And we need people around us to help draw us back to God when we're getting off track. Now, in Romans 16, 17, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, Romans 16, verses 17 through 19, we're going to use this. This is going to be our last scripture we're going to close out for today. And he says, uh, this is Paul again talking to the church in Rome. And he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. And so see here at the end of Paul's letter to the Romans, after he did this long section of acknowledging different people, the close relationships that he had, he beseeched them that we have to, all of us have to, be wise, be innocent, that we can be both. But we have to do that using God's word. And so I want to encourage you now, if you are looking to the world for understanding, uh, for answers, if you're looking to your marriage to fulfill yourself, and you're only getting more confused and more traumatized by the day. If, if you don't know how to use the scriptures in context to find healing in the wake of your partner's sexual betrayal. And if you have reached what I call your pain threshold. 
and you are ready. And I mean really ready. You're tired of trying the same thing over and over and expecting something different to happen. And you're really ready for transformation. Then I want you to schedule a call with me. I want you to go to hopeforspouses.com slash call. Again, that's hopeforspouses.com slash call. We'll get on the phone for about 45 minutes to an hour. And we'll talk through your situation. And we'll look at the scriptures. And we'll look at all of the situ your situation through the lens of the scriptures. What can you do? How can you be proactive? Uh, how can you take control of your own healing? Uh, I'll, uh, if, if we're a good fit, I may offer you uh, to look at a program that we have here at Hope for Spouses. But if not, there are lots of free resources on our website at hopeforspouses.com. And you can also check out a lot more of the videos on our YouTube channel. So I'm so glad that you were able to be here today. And again, we're all about helping spouses who are traumatized as a result of their partner's sexual sin. So if that's you and you desperately need help, hopeforspouses.com slash call. Okay. Again, I'm Kim Pullen. Uh, we'll see you next week on the Hope for Spouses Lunchtime Live.